previously on Building Evelyn. It had happened in a blur, her brain scrambling to understand what she was seeing, only capturing snapshots of what had unfolded before her. Her mother's eyes were green, watery, filled with something like fear and another emotion that was impossible to place. She couldn't remember if they had said anything or if they had been yelling, the lightning flashing over and over in a pattern similar to camera clicks. The belt was wrestled from her father's hand into her mother's, and time sipped into slow motion. Hello and welcome to Building Evelyn. This story is based in true events, but written with a bit of fiction. Each chapter of the story is written by a different writer, and each writer not only continues the story using real events and facts, but also puts their own twist on the previous writer's idea to keep the story moving. I am Jackie Pesal, and chapter 2 was written by Lauren Mata and Jackie Pesal. Her father's name was Peace, Peace Munoz. At the bank, he was the only male teller. He wasn't as shiny nor as gilded as any of the beautiful women that worked at the bank, but he tried his best to look at least moderately so. The bank provided uniforms for its employees white button-down short-sleeved shirts with black slacks for the men and black pencil skirts for the women. Every teller was encouraged to wear navy blue ties or scarves to match the equally shiny bank logo that was plastered upon nearly every surface. Evelyn's mother went through the trouble to iron her father's uniform every morning and on the weekends, he would get his nails manicured and coated with a smooth, clear polish. The polish was the closest he got to ever being gilded or shiny. On the weekend, particularly on Sunday, her father liked to drink. When she was older, she would come to know his heavy drinking as dangerous. But when she was little, she had thought nothing of it. She often accompanied him to the bars and bodegas he frequented, watching as he sipped cachaça, a cheap rum made from sugarcane, while she played with fruits and veggies she found as if they were dolls. She distracted and entertained herself with her fruits and veggie dolls, until the sunlight bled into darkness and the moon made its appearance in the sky. 
It was always at this point that her father would look at her with an emotion she could never quite read swimming in his eyes, and she would know that it was time to go home. She would reluctantly put away her makeshift dolls and slip her small hand into her father's calluses one, and they would head home. Her father's gait was always a little wobbly at this time of night, but she never really understood what it meant, not until she was older. She had begun to realize that her father was bringing her along on his bar hoppings less and less, and this upset her. She overheard her parents talking about it across the hallway one evening. The snappiness in her mother's voice surprised her as she complained of the neighbors and how they gossiped about her drunk husband taking their young daughter to bars and having no regard for her safety. She sounded angry. Her syllables came out hard and diced when she spoke, and the sound made Evelyn flinch. She was only starting to get used to the sound of her mother angry. It had started to come out more and more now, over little things. But this seemed like a big thing. Later, her mother began to keep her occupied on Sundays so that she wouldn't accompany her father to the bodegas. One particular dark Sunday night, Dinner had been made, served, and eaten, and her father was still not home. She helped her mother clean up to the sound of the crickets chirping outside and the geckos kittering on the walls, filling her father's notable presence. She had gotten ready for bed and fallen fast asleep with still no sign of her father. She had forgotten to be worried. Her mother grumbled the whole night. The next morning, Evelyn's mother helped her to get ready for school. While her mother was preparing her breakfast and lunch, Evelyn saw her father still lying in bed asleep when he should have been up and ready to go, since he usually walked her to school before catching the bus to his job at the bank. She was confused when her older cousin set her in the basket on the front of his bicycle. The basket was made of hand-woven plastic and had a metal frame, and functioned much like the child seats on the modern-day grocery store shopping carts. It had holes for the children's legs to go through, People with small children attach these baskets to their bikes so their little ones could sit comfortably while on a bike ride. She remembered this happening every now and then during this time frame of her life. There were even times her father would get up and take her to school on his bike, but was not dressed to go to work at the bank. Back then, she did not understand what was going on. On days when this 
would happen, she didn't realize he was just skipping work. He would call in sick, or have his sister tell their boss he wasn't feeling well. Sometimes, he didn't call to give them notice at all. His lack of responsibility angered Evelyn's aunt because it made her regret recommending him for the job at the bank. She promised herself to never again recommend any family member for any future openings. Eventually, her father lost his job. It had been terrible but expected, and Evelyn only vaguely remembered the arguing that came from her parents' room the weeks following. It had been strange. There had been a lot of conversations between her parents and her teachers. When her parents tried to explain the situation, it had taken her a little while to realize she was being temporarily removed from school and she didn't understand why. Her mother's name was Mary. She wasn't the typical protective, loving, and present mother one would expect. Looking back, she was like an employee who goes to work to earn a paycheck and not to build a career. She did what she had to do, but she never went above and beyond. Perhaps she was just doing what she saw her mother do, With 16 other siblings, it must have been difficult for her to get attention from her mother and for her mother to build a relationship with each of the children. Some of her siblings died young, so there were not as many children in the house as there could have been. But even so, the house was always so chaotic. She didn't really attend school. Only when there was enough time in between harvest. The family had a large coastal fruit farm not far from the beach with countless cajou trees. Cajou is a delicious fruit that is often used for juices, candy, popsicles, you name it. It is even used for clothing since its pulp is so fibrous. At the end of the fruit hangs its seed, the cashew, a well-known nut in the men around the world. So Mary was really glad when, as a teenager, her mother let her go to the city and lived with her aunt. She too had a pretty special aunt in her life, just like Evelyn. When she was 16 years old, Mary moved from the countryside to the city. With only second grade education, she was able to read and write a little, and her vocabulary was and still is very limited. With Mary now being a mom, she wanted more for her daughter. She wanted her to go to school, to do well in school, and profit from her time spent there. <music> 
When Peace told her he got the job at the bank, she was super happy after learning that one of the benefits was a full scholarship to the employee's firstborn child. It had taken a sit-down with her mother for Evelyn to fully understand that she was on a scholarship or what a scholarship even was in the first place. The scholarship had been given to her by the bank her father worked at, and now that he didn't work that anymore, that would be no more scholarship. Without the scholarship, there would be no more private school. It was like switching from one major disappointment to the next, and she remembered being so angry that blood rushed to her face. She had refused to talk to anyone for the rest of the evening. She had been forced to leave in the middle of the year. It had been spring then, and while all her friends were in school and playing in, in the expansive playground, she was indeed sitting at home, watching the geckos crawl in and out of her bedroom from in between the ceiling tiles. It was so boring, and every day she felt a deep regret over her being taken out of school. She had gone back to school later that year, but this time it was a different school. It was strange, not being at her old school amongst all the familiar faces she had grown to know. Her new school was massive, but it was a little weird to introduce herself into a whole new world she knew nothing about. The building was strange, filled with all sort of foreign colors and people. It made her head spin. She had to start over her kindergarten year, and she remembered that being a point of frustration for a bit before all the memories of the old school converged into a mass of blurry scenes and smells. Her new school left her with vivid memories of praying before class, singing the national anthem, the fenced-in playground, calligraphy time, and the smell of the Play-Doh that was distributed throughout the class during free time. The earthy, almost sweet smell of the Play-Doh was of great interest to her. The way it squished between her fingers and became malleable under her touch was almost magical. It was like she could create entire life forms on her own. Another vague memory was the smell of the ink they used in class. She was still young and her brush strokes were sloppy and rushed, but the way it swooped across the paper and how the ink would splatter against the desk was so satisfying. She remembered leaving the classroom with ink on her fingers when the day was over. She hated washing the calming smell of the ink from her palms. The new school was nicer than she had expected. 
she was still incredibly bitter that she had to leave her old, familiar school. But her new school was pretty. The grounds were sprawling, much bigger than her old school. Everything was shiny and clean on the inside and green and lush on the outside. The young kids had their own fenced-in area, but they would mingle with the older kids at lunchtime at the cafeteria. And the buildings were stacked high upon one another. It was an epicenter of learning, and her little mind couldn't quite grasp the enormity of it all. It was almost like a utopia that wasn't quite right. It was just too perfect. It also had its own clinic with trained doctors and dentists. The library had so many shelves of books, it was hard to comprehend. There were many lush tree gardens and recreation areas with swimming pools and live music on the weekend and amazing public recreation courses with swimming lessons, karate, band, jazz, ballet, regional music, volleyball and soccer. There was also a vocational school for teens and young adults. The staff was very attentive. She grew to love this school and the people around her. When she heard that the big kids in fifth grade didn't have teachers, she was so surprised. It added to the surrealness of the entire place. Digital faces and soothing voices on the small television screen taught the students. It was something straight out of a science fiction novel, but she wouldn't have understand that then. Evelyn remembers thinking about the possibility of being in fifth grade there, but the thought of watching a teacher from a TV was so bizarre. A teacher who couldn't answer your questions in real time or even scold you if you were talking to a friend and not paying attention. Bizarre, indeed. Later, she would come to know that she wasn't attending yet another very fancy private school. Her father had apparently found another job, one in manufacturing, and the school was just an added benefit. All the children of the factory workers were taught in a school system that was maintained by companies, which was a great benefit to all the families and their children. Evelyn just happened to be one of those kids. Nothing special, nothing new, but she still found it so wondrous. As she got older, she began to realize that these thoughts were something of a delusion. Her father wasn't an actual factory worker. Instead, he worked in the office. Despite his bad reputation at the bank, he received good recommendations and was placed in the accounting department of the company. The office was just like the bank, shining in gold with slick tiles and twinkling lights. And as her father tended to be, 
he was not any of those things. He continued to get his nails manicured, but had no uniform at his new job, which was an inconvenience because clothing was expensive then. For years, he managed to integrate himself in a place that seemed so determined not to accept him as someone who was not shining or golden. She was good in school regardless. In fact, she liked to consider herself to be excellent in school, outshining her peers and becoming the shining and gilded person that her father was not. In first grade, she became the class leader, helping the teacher with small tasks such as the day free school supplies were distributed to the classroom, and sitting in the front row was one of the perks. Her favorite task of them all was being allowed to get the homework fresh off the printer from the school's main office. That was one of the most exciting things in the school day. She would skip down the long, tiled hallway, shoe soles clicking against the blindingly clean floors to the printer in the office nearest to the big kids' classrooms. She would watch the blue ink precisely lay down every letter and line, the ink smelling of rubbing alcohol and something oddly sweet. She loved the smell of the ink and the paper and loved the warmth of the fresh printed sheets in her palm as she walked back to her classroom with them. The weeks passed and the memories continued to blur. She remembered the line of the cafeteria, the delicious smell of the food while waiting in line, and the taste of the school lunch on her tongue, much better than back home. Also at the cafeteria, brand-named companies that were manufacturing new products would come in and share samples with the kids which was an old marketing strategy of getting the children hooked on something so they would go home and ask their parents for more. As the time passed, Evelyn remembered her first sister being born and she remembered how her aunt had continued to work at the shiny bank with all the other shiny beautiful women. was Gracious, Gracious Munoz. She was Peace's only sister still living at home. In Brazil, it was customary to live in your parents' house until you got married. There were some very nice parents who let their children's spouse move in, but those are rare. Gracious liked to take good care of her parents even though her father was very abusive and an extreme alcoholic, while her mother was a Catholic minister and spent most of her time in the little chapel at the beginning of their property. With the help from Gracious, Evelyn's grandmother was able to install the first house telephone on her street, and Gracious was the only one 
who had a car then, out of the five brothers living close by. She was proud of her accomplishments, and so was her family. Her grandmother's house was one of many houses scattered across a vast farmland, and most of her family lived on the property, sprinkled about the place. Evelyn's house was the first house by the white gate. The property was large enough that it seems to spread on forever and ever into the horizon, meshing with the sky and sinking into the ocean. It became hard to keep track of how many relatives lived in that one property. Faces swam through her life and she was often not sure if she really truly knew any of the people that frequented her home. The most amazing aspect of Evelyn's childhood was that farm. She had so many memories of luscious flowers and fruit trees bursting with fruit. There was caju, coconuts, avocados, star fruits, acerola, lime, and guava, just to name a few. But the majority of the farm was caju trees, just like the farm Evelyn's mom grew up in. The difference here was that peace side of the family didn't sell any of the food they planted. It was for the family living in the farm to enjoy. Evelyn's grandmother had a tea garden and a vegetable garden as well, which was attended by Evelyn's youngest uncle. There was also a tank with fish and many goats and chickens everywhere. All the children, which were mostly related to Evelyn's family, somehow could roam around climbing and feasting on the vast selection of fruits. She would eat so many berries, her tongue would be purple. Her grandmother's house was the largest house on the farmland. Her aunt had a quaint little room in the back of the house. It was warm and bright in the morning, and there was a mirror sitting comfortably upon a table covered with makeup. Evelyn loved to watch her aunt get ready for her day back when she lost her scholarship and didn't go to school. The house had only one bathroom by the kitchen, so Evelyn made sure to be in the kitchen munching on something when her aunt got out of the shower. She would watch her aunt getting dressed. Her small framed, fair body was something that the family would talk about in family gatherings. How gracious breasts were so small that were almost non-existent. Apparently, her sisters and mother had different frames and could not understand this mystery. But Evelyn thought nothing of her aunt's small breasts and dark nipples. Gracious would take her uniform from the wardrobe, put it on, and sit down to apply her makeup. Evelyn loved to watch her aunt 
put on her false eyelashes and watch her bat her eyes as she got accustomed to the feeling of them on her eyelids. She remembered the fairness of her skin and the slickness of her hair. Her hair was long and straight, rippling down her back in razor-cut lines. She was beautiful. Evelyn remembered feeling like her aunt was the most beautiful woman she had ever seen. Her aunt's career flourished at the bank. She was promoted to manager of all the tellers. The one who usually is called when there is an issue, negotiates fees and payoffs, and make sure the ladies continue to look gilded and shiny on a daily basis. Not long after she was promoted and started sitting behind the bank's counters at a small desk, she noticed a customer looking at her. He was observing her with much attention and she reciprocated with a smile. She noticed he came to the bank often And one day, one of the tellers asked her to talk to a customer that needed help understanding some fees on his statement. As she approached the counter and noticed who was the customer, she smiled. Her aunt had begun to date this handsome man with a strong jawline and piercing eyes. She dated this man for a while bringing him to family functions and talking about him constantly. The couple would go to the beach sometimes with Evelyn and other family members. They would go down to where the land met the water, the warm Atlantic Ocean lapping on their toes. Her aunt would get sand in her hair sometimes, but she still looked beautiful. Her eyes reveled the brightness of the sun in the sky, and the gulls would let out their calls to their mates, filling the world with sound. One time, she got lost and her aunt couldn't find her. She remembered wandering around the beach before deciding to wait by where this pale blue car was parked a little way off of the beach. She sat there on the scalding pavement for maybe 10 minutes before her aunt came running over, her shawl slipping off her shoulder and her face painted with distress. Her hair had come undone from its knot and her aunt wrapped her tight in a hug. She felt her aunt's body relax and she smelled like salt and sunlight. It was beautiful. He's married, Evelyn's mother told Evelyn one night while making dinner. Her voice hushed as if her aunt was in the same room with her then. It was a scandalous information looking back. Evelyn hadn't paid it any mind. It didn't really make sense to her. Soon enough, her aunt was pregnant with the married man's baby, and she was simply aglow. Her mother was not. Her mother was visibly disapproved. 
but Evelyn didn't understand that either. The pregnancy was the topic of gossip among the neighbors, the family living on the farm, and around the area. Busybodies who couldn't contain themselves, who had nothing better to do but wish disgrace upon others. Gracious didn't care one bit what others were saying. She only talked constantly how devastated her religious mother was. She was not married. She was involved with a married man, which Gracious never officially confirmed. And now she was pregnant, and she was not terminating the pregnancy, like the daughters of one of the busybody neighbors that brought home a different man every week and disappear months at a time. Only God knew where they would go or what they did. The baby was born and her aunt was shiny. Her mother was not. Her aunt and the new baby lived in her grandmother's house. Building Evelyn's original story and narration by Jackie Pesau. Chapter 2 was a collaboration between Lauren Mata. You can connect with Lauren on linkedin.com slash in slash Lauren Mata. This episode was produced by Jackie Pesau. Music by Clark James. You can listen to his amazing music on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. To learn more, visit clarkjamespiano.com or find him on Facebook or Amazon. Want to have your music on the next episode? Want to write the next chapter? Or just want to say hi? Email us at info at or message us on Instagram or Facebook. At Building Evelyn is our handle. Check out buildingevelyn.com and again that is B-L-D-G-E-V-E-L-Y-N.com For more information on the show and while you are there, consider clicking the donate link. That would be so nice of you.